This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor. And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's Wednesday the 31st of March 2021. And yep, still reporting live from Brisbane's lockdown, at least on my end of the uh, of the podcast. And Norman... And I'm in Brisbane lockdown in Sydney. Well, yes, well, that's what you get for coming to the Sunshine State. Thank you for the sympathy. <laughs> We're still obviously dealing with the fallout from this escape from the uh, the hospital where two different healthcare workers managed to catch COVID from two different patients, by the at least by the information that we were given yesterday, at the same hospital. Is this just an unfortunate coincidence or are there things that haven't been done that should have been done? Well, despite the appearance of transparency, we've got no idea. We still haven't been told whether or not the medical registrar of Princess Alexandra wore an N95 mask. We assumed that she didn't because we were told emphatically by the health minister that they were following national guidelines. Well, the national guidelines from the Infection Control Expert Group, which by and large doesn't believe in airborne spread, doesn't have the insistence of an N95 mask for people treating COVID-19 patients. So there's a PPE failure, possibly. Could be a PPE failure with the nurse, although it's unclear whether the nurse caught it directly from the patient or through airborne transmission. There was a little bit of vagueness yesterday about that. And that, and two healthcare workers who weren't immunised. So what, what have we been saying on, on Coronacast now for weeks is there is only one priority, protect our borders. So we've got to just put, and it should be Pfizer vaccine, in the borders. So border workers, hotel quarantine workers, drivers, and then the healthcare workers are the next line. Well, household contacts were the next line, but they weren't put in, and belatedly they were put into 1B, but not in 1A. And then you've got the uh, healthcare workers in hospitals, and there shouldn't have been a single healthcare worker without at least the first vaccination looking after COVID-19 once vaccinations were on stream. So it's a system failure. So that was put to the Premier yesterday, that or to the, the chief health officer in Queensland yesterday that that should have been the case. And she did say that from today, from the 31st of March, that you wouldn't be allowed to work in a COVID setting in Queensland's healthcare system unless you'd been vaccinated. And she sort of said it it was just taking a, a longer time than they expected to get that workforce fully protected by the vaccines. Yes, it'd be interesting to know what's happened in other states. So it's it's just not clear what's been going on. And it should be the Pfizer vaccine. And what I hear is that it's the Astra vaccine. So the problem with the Astra vaccine is that it takes 12 weeks to get the second dose. Pfizer, you get it within three weeks. So we're not, you know, it's going to take a long time if they're using Astra to get fully immunized with that second layer of defense. This is going incredibly slowly where we've got a lot of doses in the country and we're still only in the high 500,000s administered. So what's happening with the the COVID vaccine rollout? Like you say, we have hundreds of thousands of doses, presumably in the country somewhere. The rate of vaccine delivery seems to be trending upwards, but it's a pretty shallow curve. Yeah, it's, it's happening very, very slowly. This is the price you pay when the strategy is not quite right. And this is where we see federal state relationships following, you know, not quite getting coordinated here. Yes, people in aged care are highly vulnerable, but they're only going to get infected if you get a leak from hotel quarantine. And what we've had now are two fairly significant leaks, one of which at least had circulating virus for several days before it popped up again. You, and including probably a failure of contact tracing in Brisbane, at least according to Professor Catherine Bennett in the Sydney Morning Herald yesterday, who was saying that it took two days 
for a restaurant, people at a restaurant where the 26-year-old man was for two and a half hours. It took them two days to find those people who were in that restaurant breathing in the air, potentially, for to be defined as close contacts and therefore quarantined. There's a lot of bouncing along on the tracks here. Right. So there's a lot of different prongs to our infection control within Australia. Of course, the first one is like keep uh, people in hotel quarantine, then the contact tracing. But coming back to vaccines, it's obviously really important to vaccinate the people who are most likely to catch COVID because that's how you hopefully prevent them to from spreading it to the rest of the community, even if that's not a completely guaranteed thing. But after that, we've got these different phases of vaccines, but we've had some questions from our audience and it's um, it's been in the international media as well, the idea of whether that queue is relevant or whether just vaccinating large numbers of people as quickly as possible is actually the game. Well, I think that you do need to get the borders right and those people protected before you, if you've got a scarce vaccine in the country. And I suspect, though we haven't been told, that we've got far less Pfizer in the country than they were anticipating. And I hear that from the states, is that they're not getting the supplies they were expecting of the Pfizer vaccine. So they're being forced, in a sense, to use the Astra vaccine. That's what I'm hearing from the states, whether or not it's verifiable, I don't know. So I think the highest priority is the borders, then the layers behind the borders, including healthcare workers. And you've seen the problem that if, when that fails in Queensland. You know, and then we do need to focus on aged care and the frail elderly because those are the people who are going to die. So I think that's right. But once you've done that, you might as well open it up because it is going to be younger people who spread the virus. And you might as well open up to all who want to come. But there are still people who are vulnerable and sh- who should be at the front of the queue. So if there's an appointment system, you could actually put people who've got uh, higher need to the front of that queue. But the more people who are vaccinated, the lower the risk. If this was a country with lots of COVID-19 spreading, you probably would be much more disciplined about this um, so that you're protecting people who need to be protected most. But I think our objective is to get maximum coverage as quickly as possible after you've done the borders. Well, speaking of priority groups, there was there was a piece of good news in the press conference yesterday where there was a young man who was um, was a case that had been identified. He'd gone to an aged care facility, and but everyone in that aged care facility had been vaccinated was the message that we got. So they weren't as worried as they would have been if that had happened a couple of weeks ago. Yes, but I'm not sure that you're getting aged care workers vaccinated at the same time as residents are being vaccinated. It seems extraordinary that you'd have an aged care facility where you're not vaccinating 100% of the people in that facility so that everybody's protected. There's just this sort of stuff going on which is illogical. So let's take some questions from our audience and people are understandably worried about the effects of the Brisbane Greater Brisbane lockdown on their travel plans over Easter. VK says on the 1st of April we're supposed to leave to travel to Byron Bay for Easter weekend. Should we cancel the travel? Well, who am I to advise you? I went to Brisbane last Saturday and here I am in lockdown back in Sydney and if the lockdown continues in Brisbane, as I suspect it might because they haven't tied down all the cases, I'm here at home on lockdown for an extended period. The um, And I feel totally in sync with everybody in Brisbane and why should why should I be any different? So you've just got to take that risk because it, it has got into regional Queensland and you don't know whether somebody's caught a plane to far north Queensland or wherever. So that's the problem with Queensland is you don't quite know at the moment where it is. I suppose really what you've just got to do is hang on for another day or two and see what happens. And if it goes down to small number of cases or they know where all the cases have been and they feel sure they've tied it all down, then you really do need to take advice from your state premiers about 
what's likely to happen because you don't want to be stuck and not be able to get back in. I guess the the link to Byron Bay here is that some of these people from Queensland, from the Gold Coast and Brisbane, had travelled to Byron, and that's why that's sort of being linked with this Queensland outbreak. Uh, and then we've got someone else who's asking about, Peter says, we've mentioned before that the Astra vaccine escapes the South African variant to some extent, and he's just wanting a bit more discussion on this point because he'd read that the Astra vaccine had essentially been proven to be totally ineffective against the B1351 variant, which is the uh, so-called South African variant. Okay, so this is a bit of statistics now. So the study that was published in the New England Journal of Medicine showed at best a 10% effectiveness. But when you look at the data, the what's called the confidence interval, in other words, what's the range of values that it could have been? And the range of values crosses one. So in other words, it's a very it's complicated, and I'm not going to give a statistical lecture here, but when you've got a confidence interval that crosses one, it's not significant. And so the way of interpreting this is that it has no effect. A small study, other people argue that it might not have been that well done, but it got published in the New England Journal of Medicine, which is not easy to do, peer-reviewed. And it's still not clear how the extent to which the Astra vaccine protects against severe disease with the South African variant, they suspect it does. So the, the South African variant, on current evidence, does escape the Astra vaccine. Right. So just to make it black and white, turn something grey into black and white for us lay people, Norman, is if you're protected with the, if you've got the Astra vaccine, are you protected or not protected from the South African variant? You are possibly protected against severe disease, but it's unlikely on the current evidence that you're protected against infection. What about the other vaccines, the not Astra ones? Do they protect against South African variant? They have checked uh, in the lab with antibodies to Pfizer and Moderna, and they seem to generate antibodies to it, but at a lower level. The Novavax vaccine and the Johnson vaccines have been tested against the African variant, and they have a lower level of efficacy, but it's still above 50%. So it's much higher than the Astra vaccine. Well, that's one we're going to have to watch and wait and see. But for now, that's all we've got time for on today's Coronacast. If you want to ask a question, go to our website, abc.net.au slash coronacast. Click on Ask a Question and mention Chronocast on the way through and we'll pick it up and we will see you tomorrow. See you then. Bye.